So this is why IMDB is great. So like looking through this, what, The, the Edge with Alec Baldwin, because I watched um, The Departed and then I did Red, uh, Hunt for Red October on your recommendation uh, back from that old pod. And so like if you go through The Edge cast, it comes up with Bart the Bear in, so where is it? It's top cast and it goes Anthony Hopkins, Alec Baldwin, Elle McPherson, and, and I think it's uh, the the fourth one is somebody. It's a that guy. You know what I mean? It doesn't. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. we don't even need it. And the fifth one is Bart the Bear, and it's the bear and his handler. And you click on that. <laughs> he's got a showreel too. If you like, he's Bart the Bear has a showreel. It says here Bart the Bear was perhaps one of Hollywood's most remarkable animal stars. The Alaskan brown bear was born in 1977 and was brought up in Utah by animal trainer Doug Seuss, <laughs> who I assume Doug is in the photo. Bart started the train in acting in 1980. Oh, this is a job. <laughs> he grew to nine feet tall, the average for brown bears. Bart starred in The Great Outdoors, On Deadly Ground, The Edge, and Bart's co-starred with John Candy, Dan Aykroyd, Steven Seagal, Anthony Hopkins, <laughs> and Alec Baldwin, all of whom were very impressed with how well a bear could be trained to act and, en- <laughs> and enjoyed... Oh, sorry, I've just... I've missed did, a bit. Did, I've had to click Bart- on... I've had to click on read more. Did Bart, did Bart the Bear get post a billion in the in the movie The Bear that I he starred in? I, I, I'll, I'll go back and check. So it says all of whom were very impressed with how well a bear could be trained to act and enjoyed the experience of work with animals. Sadly, Bart died in 2000 of oh. cancer at the age of 23 filming of Animal pl- Planets growing up grizzly, so he got a reality show, I assume. He's, <laughs> he's, poor, poor Bart, R.I.P. His namesake is Little Bart. Little Bart's sister is named Honey Bump. Their mother was killed, and Doug and Lynn Seuss took them in. Doug and wife Lynn Seuss started the Vital Ground Foundation in honour of Bart, who was the organisation's first ambassador. The organisation was begun to set up lands to preserve the great grizzlies and other wildlife. Great story, but what I really like about this, it says IMD mini biography uh, written by Anonymous, but I'm really pretty sure that's, that's going to be like Doug Zeus, the head trainer. <laughs> that's definitely the trainer. There should really be a, um, an Oscar category for best animal in film and call it the Bart the Bear category. <laughs> Well, uh, uh, everyone, welcome to the advanced screening. My name is Justin Corbett, and joining me as always, uh, Bart the Bear, one, number one sign on to the Bart the Bear fan club, and first resident of Live In Plus, Tom Kelly. How are you, Tom? I'm going to live forever, unlike Bart. <laughs> Poor Bart, RIP. Does it say when he died? Should we do a memorial for him soon? Uh, I reckon you know. It's no, yeah, May two, May ten, two thousand. Oh my God! So we're only nine days away nine from days away. death. How about next week? So right, this is the deal. We have to watch The Edge with Alec Baldwin and Anthony Hopkins before our next podcast. Okay, we're going to watch The Edge, and I reckon we do twenty minutes at the start. That's about best animals in film. In yeah, honor of, great in honor of Bart the Bear. Great shout. And that's May 10th, so nine days away. So we can probably put this out on the anniversary, the 23-year anniversary of Bart the Bear's death. Do you think we'll get like hit up by Doug Seuss? <laughs> How dare you use his name without permission? Well, I'm now looking <laughs> up his IMDb. I'm so, um, he's still alive, yeah? All good. Doug Seuss? Yeah. Should we, call, should we call him up, ask him to come on the podcast? Uh, I think you could like produce that. Let's do it. I'll see. I'll give him a call and see if Doug Zeus comes back. He's got an IMDb. Yeah, so it should be easy to contact. I wonder if he's still got agents. Sure. Yeah, if not, yeah. we'll just do we'll just do um, characters. I'll he be... was in, he was in the lead trainer from We Bought a Zoo. Oh, he's still around. He's still yeah, working. Still working. <laughs> uh, so uh, big. We've missed succession last week. So second half of the pod, we will hit. Um, the last two episodes of Succession were Eps 5 and 6. But tell me, apart from uh, Hunt for Red October and The Departed, which um, we were both out on Saturday having a great day at the AFL, we went home separately and then you texted me a screenshot of the film The Departed and I was about halfway through the movie and I believe you said we're symbiotic. So how was, how was, your, how was the half of The Departed that you got through? It was pretty good. Like I was just there for... Um... Alec Baldwin's accent and Marky Mark going like, you had different accents. You were a fucking snake. 
Um, Didn't you, you fucking snake? snake. <laughs> um, you were different people. Um, <laughs> that, like pretty much for, for that five minute YouTube, um, I watched the first like hour and a half. Um, but that's because I watched um, Hunt, Hunt for Red October on Friday night, late Friday night, um, because I was looking for an Alec Baldwin thing because I'd scrolled for an hour. It was almost like, nah, this will do. Um, and very rewarding. What, um, what made you want Alec Baldwin so bad? I think I had rotated through a bunch of stuff. So I was thinking like American indie mid-2000s, like Jeff Goldblum sort of stuff, like I Heart Huckabee's or Brick and a bunch of different stuff. And then I thought, oh, let's have a look like late 80s, early 90s. And I was sort of fiddling around. I was looking at like Glenn Gary, uh, uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Yep. Um, and a couple other sort of things that I hadn't seen. I like, want to get around to it. Uh, the Color of Money with Tom Cruise playing off Paul Newman where like Tom Cruise's teeth is not fixed yet. And he's like a, po- um, a billiard shark. They're still not really fixed. If you look at photos of Tom Cruise now, like they're a lot better than they used to be. But when he got him fixed, he's if you do you look up Tom Cruise middle of his face, and you'll see that uh, one of his two middle teeth is actually in the middle of his face. He's not. He's not asymmetrical. No, despite being um, an incredibly attractive man in his sixties now, uh, his middle tooth is right in the middle of his face. Unfortunately, I think we'll have to do like Tom Cruise sort of era 80s and 90s where Tom Cruise is making some weird choices as well. I think I was looking for a Tom Cruise movie and then I landed on Hunt oh, for we should We should do a... Um, we should try to make a Tom Cruise Hall of Fame when Dead Reckoning Part 1 comes out where we have to try to sure. pick the top the top five Tom Cruise movies when that Dead Reckoning comes that out. That aren't franchise films. Yeah, which is pretty much all of them except Mission Impossible movies. So you can't... Or Top Gun. Because that's Gun. now a okay. franchise. Yep. Take take Top Gun and Mission Impossible out and we'll have to make top five. Yeah. All in on that. Love Done. that. Uh, what? So, uh, yeah. Departed. Uh, I watched that with Brit for the first time. And um, when a lot of people die at the end, won't say it in case it spoils a 13-year-old movie, but when people start I think it's dying, older than 13. I think it's like almost 20. Is it really? Oh, it was early 2000s, wasn't it? It was like yeah. 2006, so we're like 17 or 18. Okay, fuck it. If you haven't seen The Departed, it's your fault. But when um, Leo DiCaprio gets shot in the lift, the shriek, the audible shriek from someone who's never seen it before was the loudest thing I've ever heard. I couldn't stop <laughs> laughing. It was so good. It's like, oh my God, like really loud, clutching the chest. I'm like, yeah, yeah, get ready. It was, it was such a great casting to kill him off what two thirds of the way through the film and it was almost like fuck what is gonna happen yeah, now. Yeah, it still it still ticks away for like twenty more minutes after that happens. Like almost like is it twenty or is it almost like forty? Probably split the difference, about half an hour. Yeah. So yeah. like obviously but Scorsese is also remaking the Hong Kong what what was the what was the original uh, called? Infernal Affairs. Internal Affairs. Yeah. Um and so you can't give him too much credit for that decision, but that that lands so well um, every time you watch it because it's almost like Leo. Th- I think we were messaging at the time is like Leo, two thousand six. This is what before or after Blood Diamond. I think it was almost the same year. They, they pretty much came out at the same time. That era, Leo, where it's pre Gatsby, but it's sort of that mid 2000s sort of thing it's he's well after titanic he's really hitting it yeah this was this was it was kind of even though blood diamonds like not necessarily the greatest movie it's a good movie and it was kind of those and body of lies with russell crowe that were kind of like this is grown up leo dicaprio now like no more the beach no more um titanic and i think departed was the first one and casting him like as the wired fucking undercover guy alongside shmami Matt Damon was um, brilliant. Matt Damon like can play somebody really hateable. Yeah, which is so interesting because he's like, particularly with his persona now where he's just so like beloved and the nice guy. You look at and movies do- like that. And doing crypto and... ads. Is he actually? Yeah, absolutely. Oh God, everyone's doing crypto ads. I don't think Clooney is yet. <laughs> yeah, Clooney's still selling Nespresso and making like... <laughs> Five million a year off selling That's coffee pods. 
I'm just having a look at that era. Like we are like way off track right now, but I'm just going to like, let's talk about this run for a second. So he had the beach real sort of like teenage personal favorite. I think for a lot of like teenage boys, for like <laughs> obvious reasons, who doesn't want to go and have like lose their mind in like Thailand. Um, but then we go gangs of New York, 2002. Yeah. Martin, you, uh, catch me if you can. Uh, cross from Hanks. Then he goes back to Marty with the aviator. And then, Ma- and then Marty again with the departed. And then we go blood diamond body of lies Revolutionary Road, which was a bit of a swing and it was a swing and a miss. I remember I actually walked out of that. Oh, really? Yeah, I was almost like if I want to see two unhappy married people, I could have had dinner with my parents. (laughs) Um, Followed by Shutter Island, which underrated. Yeah, underrated, right? And then like Inception, and then we're going to Nolan, and then we're looking at J. Edgar, and this is just he is like the number one boy at that time yeah big time and like he i i remember that period of um like aviator departed blood diamond body of lies where it was just he looked he just looked different like he suddenly came out i think aviator was the last time where he still kind of had the titanic look and then it was like a a year or two later he comes out in the departed and then from there his face was just different and suddenly he was like way more serious and it's just been like yeah, number one guy going around at the moment. And then I think like we've got Gatsby and then he goes to Wolf of Wall Street where you've got the whole thing. And then he wins for The Revenant and he's done two things since he won Best Picture. Uh, once Put a Time in Hollywood. And then Don't Look Up. Ah, oh, yeah. And Don't Look, Don't Look Up was weird. Yeah. And like the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, that's like, that's his Tarantino movie. It's... And it's very meta. It's about Hollywood too, where it feels like this is just a guy building a CV, looking for that top end, and he's reached it. And it's almost like I'm checking out. Do you think um, Marty's Killers of the Flower Moon, which is coming in at a three and a half hour cinematic cut, uh, yes. will be his next Oscar? Oh, that that's probably too early, and we've got to actually see it. Like, did you, did anybody, or did you finish The Irishman? God, no. So there you go. <laughs> um, no, like, and uh, hey, we'll be there day one buying tickets for, for Marty, but um, wait and see. But I do think that is probably like the most hyped or the most anticipated film of the year for people like who give a shit about cinema. And did you see what it was the second uh, photo got leaked? Or not yes, released, they've just they've released the, the single photo for the last year. I saw someone post a thing that was like first two minutes of Killers of the Flower Moon um, leaked, and it was just that one photo, just still for two minutes, <laughs> with like music playing in the background. I reckon it's going to be um, that and Michael Fassbender in um, David Fincher's The Killer, which is going to be yeah, okay, two two top of their game directors with two of the best actors in the world in serial killer films that will both be about three hours long. So see, I'm, I'm going to go the other way. I'm more like Bradley Cooper in what, uh, is it where he's doing the, it's not the musical. I'm just looking up right now. Uh, upcoming maestro where he plays Leonard Bernstein biopic. Oh, and he's directing that, isn't he? Yeah. yeah like okay. It's, so it's got here. Listen to this. Bradley Cooper, Carrie Mulligan, Maya Hawke, um, and then everybody else is no names. Oh, Sarah Silverman's in it. Can you imagine if, not that it hasn't been good lately, but can you imagine if we kind of talked about the Oscars not really mattering anymore, but if the Oscars next year, three out of the five is Bradley Cooper, Leonardo DiCaprio, and Michael Fassbender? Yeah, I'll let's do it. Absolutely. Tune back into that for sure. Um, just, just for the chat... Um, I'm just doing a quick uh, screenshot of Bradley Cooper aged up all the way up and sending it to you right now. As Leonard Bernstein. Yeah, on the set for Maestro. So FYI, Leonard Bernstein, what, American conductor. That is not him. Yeah, it is. Oh my God. That doesn't even look like him. I know. That is some of the best old man makeup I've ever seen in my life. See, now you want to see Maestro, right? Because I'm this, in, I'm in now. This is like Bradley Cooper is cooking for two and a half hours about the New York classical music scene. 
during yeah. the during the mid century. That second half of this year for movies. Oh, we should do a um, we should do a draft for the second half of the year and pick our movies. See who gets what. Yeah, I'm all in on that because that's something that I, I know we are sort of cooking at the moment. Uh, this is freeform, right? Um, oh yeah. That freebie. Like, uh, this is freebie. This is paid for subscription on. Freebie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah good. You're like this is ad supported. Content S- sign up sure. to our Patreon, please. Uh, hit us up the event screen. That's on where Patreon. you get. That's where you get premium content. Premium this, content. Yeah, this. this is for 99 cents. You can listen to the outtakes, which must be way worse than this. Bark the bear, right? But I do find the cinema release at the moment pretty underwhelming. Like air sort of feels like the the biggest thing at the box office and it feels like uh, it's a mixed reviews and it sort of feels like um it doesn't feel like a convincing sell to go spend x amount of dollars at the cinema no no it's right right now it's big um calm calm before the storm energy i think like thinking of the once we cross june or we hit like kind of american summer a lot of these movies will come out um I'm hanging. I'm hanging for uh, Guardians of the Galaxy on Thursday, though. Is that I'm, out? Are, are I'm you kind hoping? Of, I'm kind of even me. Believe it or not, I'm slowly losing my grip on the Marvel train. But James Gunn coming back to do a final Guardians movie, and yeah. all of them kind of saying like, "Yeah, we're done after this." So because I'm, we're going to DC with James yeah, Gunn, because we're following James Gunn to DC, or we want to be more serious actors. Um, I'm in. I'm in for it. I think like you cannot care less about Marvel if you've seen the first two. Then this third one apparently is amazing. So I'm there for it. But I can't think of anything else that's out right now worth seeing. What about Infinity Pool? Like that sort of seems like your sort of thing, right? Which is Infinity Pool again? So Alexander Skarsgård um, in this whole idea isolated beach island resort. Oh, with um, what's her name? Who's massive right now in horror? Cleopatra Coleman. No, Mia Goth. Oh yeah, yep, yeah. yeah from um, Pearl and X. Yeah, that's, I'll probably see that. That's not me. That's very you, though. Yeah, I'll see that. And Skarsgård's <laughs> like, like, he's hitting the zeitgeist at the moment with Succession and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, before we get to Succession, uh, what other things did you watch this week? Uh, Annie Donna, finish that. Go watch it. Everybody, go watch it twice. So I've uh, seen the first two apps. What'd you think? Yeah, it's great. Like, yeah. it, um, I don't, I don't know. Like, I just haven't found time to watch the rest, but it's so good. It's like just big old house of fun again. You can tell the budget's a bit smaller and whatnot because the ABC, but like, still so good. That that's the thing that made me sort of think about it. It's like they're doing so well with the budget that they've got with this, which is like yeah. that. That's something that I had to think about when you looked at big old house of fun. Is so great, and it's also because the production design is so intrinsic in the comedy where it's almost like that opening sun song where it was at um everything's not, a drum everything's a drum and yeah. they're literally breaking the set yeah and you like, know, like film this last and beat the shit out shit of this out place of and, and breaking everything and it was just like it was sort of like jaw dropping to see that in like on a netflix sort of comedy where it's like we're just gonna break the set in our yep. opening scene um and obviously they don't have that luxury but i've really thought um Episode two um, of Annie Donna was like the, the high watermark of the series where the whole bit where it's like Rake and Richard Roxburgh is coming yeah, in and yeah. playing Rake, but that's not his actual character name from Rake. <laughs> and then when Mark, um, they do the bit about uh, going to recess because the courtroom, yep. because the blueberry burger, go watch it. Um, but the whole bit where Mark is almost like they do a bit about recess from courtroom and then they go to recess at... But at primary school, and Zach's like, "Yeah, my mum says like, like she gives me Dunkaroos and shit," and they just cut away. <laughs> but then Zach comes out of the bathroom, and everybody's gone, and school started. And teacher's like, "Mate, what are you doing here?" <laughs> and on the very few occasions I've had to actually be that guy and be almost like, "Mate, what are you doing here? This is a school. Do you work here?" Um, <laughs> I, I, love, I just the it's um, such good like ridiculous comedy that to the sense of like you just have no idea what they're going to do so you're just kind of hanging out like waiting where the fuck is this going again yeah. like what like the um i think in the first episode it was the 
the cool dude, not cool or cool, uh, played by Zach. And he's just like, cool, not cool. It's like all the different things that they could do. And it ended with Broden like stabbing that guy or something, the, the old guy that was there. The decisions that they are making is not the things that you would really predict at any point. No, no. At, at not a single point do you know where a joke is going. I do want to say like Cowboy Broden's TikTok though. <laughs> Cowboy Broden? Cowboy. Cowboy, is is that the in the first set where he's like the dancing TikTok guy? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, the other thing I've been watching is I watched all eight episodes of The Diplomat because I was sick and I was like in a fever dream for three or four days. And me and Sam, Kerry Russell, yeah, me and Sam smashed through it because then Kerry Russell, who's the guy from um, Man in the High Castle? Uh, it's John Smith in that. Rufus Sewell. He's great in it. I he's love like, Rufus Saw. He's like, so good in Man in High Castle as well. And because I saw Kerry Russell, yeah, sure, that's that's fine. And then I saw him and it's almost like, oh, he's in this. All of a sudden, I'm this is not going from like a normal drama to like edging towards a prestige sort of product. Oh, I've like, I just want to see him cook and make his moves and be charming for six hours in London as like the ambassador's husband sort of thing. Mm. Um, it's interesting, some of the premise, where the whole idea is somebody has launched a missile at a UK aircraft carrier and Kerry Russell has just become the UK ambassador. But she really wanted to become the Afghani, Afghanistan, the Afghani ambassador because that's where she wanted to do go, go do proper work. And normally the UK is a ceremonial role. But now that we're in an international crisis, we need somebody substantive in that role. Um, and you can sort of go with it. It's very... Um, it's very good elevator pitch. Um, yeah. Someone it, who goes into a ceremonial role suddenly has to step up because of an international crisis. Like, it starts starts well. Or it's well, it's uh, it's actually the, the opposite, where it's almost like somebody who doesn't want the ceremonial role is now forced into it because it's almost like, oh, I wish I was in Afghanistan and fixing all the... It's very zeitgeisty in the sense that it's talking about the Russian invasion of Ukraine, it talks about um, the, the withdrawal from Afghanistan. So it is Ooh, making... Real present day. It is making... It is an absolute product of its time. Uh, but what was that show? It reminded me of that show with Claire Danes. Uh, and you're going to think I'm an idiot for forgetting the name of Homeland? it. Homeland? Yeah. But it's like, a, is it is it first season good Homeland? Or is it kind of like second, third season where they stretched it? To be honest, I think the first four episodes, it's like, yeah, I'm in. I'm in on this. This is interesting. And then it sort of drifts and doesn't deliver. And then the final episode, I'm not going to spoil it that much, but like I can just tell you the gist, is that it doesn't deliver on everything that it had built. And it gives a plot twist that is promises a second season, but because but it didn't feel like it wasn't a twist that was earned. And... In the end, I walked away from it like eight hours and almost like the first four were really enjoyable and fun and I was in this drama and then the last four was almost like you didn't pay the check here and you're, the show is doing things that wasn't earned from a character perspective mm. or was just almost like this was actually felt very grounded in the real world and now you're saying the UK Prime Minister is what... So is it, did it all come out, because um, it's Netflix, did, it, did they release it all at once? Binge all it? at once. So that's what, because we, we smashed it when we were sick. Because I didn't want to watch Transatlantic when I was feeling sick, because I was almost like, oh, what's going on? Um, and that sh- show has beats where it's almost like, oh, I've missed that. Um, it felt it's like... In, yeah, it's interesting that they, because obviously literally no streaming service puts out anything as a binge anymore. Except um, Netflix. Except Netflix. But even they are doing um, like Stranger Things last year and a few new series coming this year are doing like split season. So you get half and then two months later you get the other half. So it's interesting that they did that for Transatlantic. Maybe they knew that the back four weren't too crash hot and kind of like just get get through it quick and we'll give you a second season soon kind of thing because even they're like starting to split seasons. But it made me confused because they it's a show that they've obviously invested really highly in the diplomat since they've got like Kerry Russell I wouldn't say Kerry Russell's that cheap and it's probably a good role for her too but it was, it's it's filmed in London with an American cast that's so straight away that's costly and I was a bit like Netflix 
I pretty quick to just like dump shows, and it was almost like you'll. I don't think this show will get a second season, but it's finishing on a cliffhanger of the promise of a second season, where it's almost like. I don't trust Netflix's business model to actually finish this show. Yeah, yeah. They're they're dropping shows so quickly that they might like they might just be like, oh the reviews weren't that crash hot, see you later. I think people the reviews were fine with it because I think like people like Kerry Russell being in good stuff. Yeah. It's the, exactly yeah. the reason why I watched the first four and I was like, I'm all in on that. Uh, that's my tangent. Um, what about you? Um I tried to buy this in our um, first uh, first episode auction, and you stole it without ever watching a second of it. But um, yes. the second the second season of From is on stand, which is the worst name show in the history of shows. But um, From is from the people, or a lot of the people that made uh, Lost. Um, a lot of people drive into a town, get stuck in the town, can't leave, and monsters come out at night. And you have to stay inside and all other kind of weird shit happens. Super, super mystery box show that um, the first two eps in season two have been awesome. So it's hard to say anything about it without spoiling it. So first episode's on Stan. So go watch it. Um, I've been teasing you about another show that I've been watching that has got a lot of traction in the US, but I hadn't heard anyone talk about it in Australia. Uh, It's called Jury Duty. Have you heard of Jury Duty? I have. Jury Duty on Amazon Prime. Don't trust the reviews. It's only like 50% or something on on, um, reviews. It's one of the funniest shows on TV right now. I lose my mind every episode I watch it. So the premise, in case like you've only heard vaguely the thing, it's filmed as if it's like a show like The Office or Parks and Rec, where it's like set up comedy uh, of a group that's on jury duty um, and they're kind of part of a documentary um, that's filming them during this case that they're a part of. But they're, the, the premise is that they're actually all improv actors playing out scenarios and they're, every single person in this case is an actor except for one single guy who's a real guy called Ronald. And so Ronald thinks he's part of a documentary about a jury and a trial completely in the real world. Everyone else are actors that for eight episodes are just doing the most fucked up shit. And like, and so like they all are at the end of a day, all eight jurors sit down in a box and they do like a group interview. Um, Ronald sits next to an old lady who like keeps falling asleep. So he says like, oh yeah, you should maybe take something. So she goes and takes essentially heroin or something and comes back. And Ronald, Ronald thinks she literally did it to keep herself awake. It's wild. It's And he gets made the jury four person. So anytime someone fucks up, the judge calls him up and he's like, Ronald, come up here, please. And like reels him. And the best part is that James Marsden is in it playing himself. That's what I was going to come to because that's what I had seen. It's like it had come up on Instagram at some point where it was, I don't know where I came across it, but James Marsden talking about like being in Sonic. Yeah. So this is what's so great. So they all have to, they all, all the improv actors and James Marsden playing himself as a fake version of himself. I love that like James Marsden of like 30 Rock alumni, but also super serious. Yeah. What was that? Oh, I'm fucking oh, terrible with the, the James show. Marsden of like X-Men of like um, uh, what else has he been in uh, Princess Diaries no 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 like oh my god like uh, I'm having a stroke why can't I think of this the Nolan show from the past like decade oh, that's um, been uh, Westworld that like HBO have now cancelled yeah he's super serious James Marsden and like just absolutely for him to he just absolutely loves acting obviously because he's put himself down these people have to pretend to be these characters for the sake of Ronald for three weeks every single day and James Marsden tries to get out of it so he like gets paparazzi to come and like take photos of him but because of that they sequester the jury which means they all have to stay at a hotel together so it's like literally 24 7 shenanigans um and it's as like a, such a great premise. such a great idea and like they essentially James Marsden did an interview where they essentially have scenarios not scripts so they're like James Marsden enters the room and talks about something and then they do that watch how Ronald responds and then act around Ronald the real guy's interpretation so one example is 
Ronald comes in, he sees James Marsden, he's like, oh, you're the, you're the guy from the X-Men movies, aren't you? James Marsden's like, yeah, yeah, that's me. I was also um, recently in Sonic. And Ronald, this completely normal guy who's just met James Marsden, turns to him and goes, oh, man, I heard that was pretty shit, hey? <laughs> <laughs> and then James Marsden acts all sad. They go home. The next day, this Ronald comes in goes up to him, gives him this big high five. He's like, James, man, I've got to apologize. I watched Sonic last night. That was fucking hilarious, man. That was so good. And then because of that improv, James needs to react on the spot. And he essentially says, oh, cool, man. Did you buy it? He's like, nah, it was on Hulu. And he's like, ah, damn, I would have got a dollar if you bought it. (laughs) So Jury Duty is, um, that's, that's my big recommendation. One of the funniest shows on TV right now. A fake fake doco with one real man that thinks it's all real. I think that's a great premise where you're giving improv the ability to just play it out. And it feels like it's really like, have you been paying attention or like, thank God you're here sort of shit. Yeah. Oh, it was, there's, there's one more. This is all, this is all literally the first episode. Everyone, everything I'm telling you, there's another point where. Uh, they're all talking about how to get out of jury duty. And Ronald says to one guy like, oh, I heard that um, apparently if you say you're racist, you can get out of jury duty because no one wants a racist on it. And he says it kind of jokingly. They walk into the room and one of the actors, obviously improv <laughs> actors, gets up and he says, I'm, I'm racist. And everyone looks at him and he looks at Ronald and Ronald like shakes his head and does like a little, no man, don't do that. It was a joke. So my only question here is does it ever feel like he's in on the joke that like how is how is it maintained the act so the act is maintained because it, they get away with it by and this is part of the setup as well by in the world that Ronald thinks he's living in it's a documentary crew filming the jury duty so that's why all the cameras can be excused to be there yeah. and when they're like back in doing their group interviews and they go off and do one-on-one interviews like they do in the office and parks and rec and two two to head interviews the other people are kind of on his side and teeing up with him saying like yeah it's crazy this is happening it's crazy that's happening that was so weird what about that so it kind of has people around him at certain moments so he doesn't seem like he's the only crazy person yeah witnessing this and also that setup also allows for the fact that he's probably thinking, oh, they got the weirdest jury possible in to do this to make the show interesting. So having that fake documentary makes it seem like, oh, this is all just part of this. It's a real world, but it's being played up for the doco. But in fact, it's being played up specifically for this one guy, Ronald. And this is why you should watch the rehearsal because in, in effect, it's pretty much the same premise Similar. in a lot of ways. Where oh, man. the whole premise with that show was like rehearsing for real life. So they make these elaborate sets and now you have to rehearse the real life scenario again yep. and again sort of thing. And it's almost like, what am I watching? This, is this a comedy or is this real? I don't understand what I'm watching in that yeah. moment. And so that, that, pushes that, that pushes the envelope a bit further. Um, we'll get to succession in one minute. The last thing I watched, which I won't talk about as long as jury duty, cause it's um, awesome. But Mrs. Davis is on, uh, so jury duty is on Amazon. Uh, Mrs. Davis is on binge and that's co-created by, uh, a relatively new person, Tara Hernandez and Damon Lindelof, who did lost leftovers, Watchmen Your sort of stuff. My stuff, like the, the premise is essentially uh, present day, but in a world where an AI talks to people through a headset and essentially tells them all the right things to do. They make their life perfect. And there's a nun who essentially receives visions from Jesus who tells her to go on a quest to destroy the AI when the AI essentially contacts her and tells her to go on a quest to find the Holy Grail. So there's like, it's very mythical and stuff, but set real world, but like, Essentially, God's telling her to destroy the AI and the AI is telling her to find the Holy Grail for some reason. Um, But really, really funny, good action set kind of really, really grounded despite that kind of top line premise, which is what Damon Lindelof always does. Um, If you ever watch The Leftovers, that whole show was started on the premise that 2% of the world's population just completely vanish. And that's the start of the series. And then the rest of it's just all about dynamics and drama and interpersonal relationships. I can see like I didn't watch the leftovers, but like 
that Watchmen series on HBO and these ideas where they're conflicted and or sort of polar opposites but coming into contact with each other, butting up against mm. it, if that's culture or race or technology, they say seems like themes that are continue on in this series. Yeah, it's kind of like he he does what he does really well is take like a real high concept thing like leftovers, which I just said, Watchmen, which is like a world of superheroes, and now Mrs. Davis, which is literally God versus artificial intelligence. Yeah, and he takes those as like the premise, and it kind of trickles in every now and then. But then the the majority of the show is like really good, witty dialogue, drama, and these opposing ideas matching up. So yeah, get onto that. Um, soon i think that's the the next thing i'll probably pick up i won't talk about it today but i think we should it's earned it's worthy of the discussion um and the next week or maybe the week after is maybe we should have a, a proper chat about barry i'm watching it week to week i'm not sure if you're up to that sort of i think i'm on barry like you are on yellow jackets and i think we'll both just work back up and we'll get around to it but yeah. um i'd love to talk about barry and what's happening there but i think we can park that for another I've... day I've had a few of our thousands of listeners tell me to watch Barry and catch up. So we'll do that. Uh, But for now, we'll take a quick break and then we'll do Succession. Uh, And we are back talking Succession final season, of course. Uh, Last week was Ep 5, which was the kind of big meeting of the kids now taking over uh waystar royko and uh lucas madsen who was the uh what was it gojo gojo's mm. corporate retreat in norway and people are like why is it in sweden it's almost like so we can go to norway so they can go to norway instead take the swedes to norway uh and essentially a lot of big dick swinging to see who's going to pay more money for what and what they can keep and sauna and sauna, sauna, sauna. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's it's so funny. I laughed at that. This is going to be so ridiculous. But um, I'm doing uh, a documentary right now about the wellness industry, and this week's episode, which we'll touch on later, had a lot to do with living forever. So I'll give you some some Woof. info on that. And then last week's was all about like sauna and rejuvenation. So. Literally every second shoot we go on is about going to some kind of sauna. So when the guys are like, sauna, sauna, I was like, yeah, go sauna. It's great for you. You should do it. Speaking of living forever, I think we'll have to like come back in over the top of that and talk about like Prometheus, where the, there's the tie-in between Alien and then uh, Blade Runner. What's that got to do with Succession? Because the whole idea is that it's the head of the Wayland Corporation, which was Guy Pearce in Prometheus, is looking for... And he for wanted to live forever. forever. Ah, you and got me. And I'm tying that back into... Oh, we talked about <laughs> Alien when we weren't recording. <laughs> Sorry, I'll put, that, I'll put that into the thing. <laughs> sure. Um, so, big notes. I'll kind of drop a... The very first thing of that last step was um, Rap Kendall is back. You know Kendall's uh, on a hot streak once he starts listening to his rap again. Um, and Frank and Carl just owning this season. Uh, Logan's gone. Frank and Carl putting their airplane socks on. Tom, you've got a problem? As they take their shoes off and put their socks on, I thought it was hilarious. Uh, what what was some of... Oh, and Hugo getting his um, giant plate of food and just being like, I metabolize fast because I'm dynamic as he tries to keep his job in the company. Um. How do you feel about bodily fluids? Don't love them. Body fluids being outside of the body and in like vessels and stuff. Look, if someone uh, someone was to send me a brick of blood, I wouldn't love it. Can, can I ask, like, because we're talking about uh, Matson here, uh, this, what played by Skarsgård? Brilliant. Do you do you think he that's a play? So, like, we'll just briefly recap. The whole idea is that he's telling Shiv in confidence because he's fucked up. The head of Spotify pretty much says he's fucked up to Shiv, saying, um, I've been sending pints of blood to my ex, who's my head of communications. Do you think that's, like, I feel like that's almost like a play or he doesn't give a fuck and he's like Elon, right? Because I feel like that's where the show is sort of segmenting itself that... It, like these billionaire or trillionaire sort of figures trying to live forever, going out of the space, and or just being 
fucking weird blokes like Elon, right? Um, and like he did some his how that things broke down with him and Grimes just got weird and shit. Yeah, it's um, it's partly because I think he actually likes Shiv, but also like he says it every time, every single time we see him, he's just like, oh, this is boring. Who cares about this? Like you look at um, Elon right now, who has more or less absolutely crunched, crashed, demolished Twitter by all accounts. He couldn't give a fuck. He's still he's still going to be a billionaire no matter what happens. So it's just kind of like, let's play games. I need to do anything to make my life a little more interesting than like these fucking corporate retreats yeah. that I go on on a daily basis. I'm all in on that, yeah. But Carl's, Carl's throwing heaters. Love Carl. <laughs> Look at these fucking pecking duck. <laughs> um, there was... I mean, we can go into the more recent app pretty quickly, but... Um, what did you think of the brothers trying to kill the deal? Dumb. Just dumb. missing dad. Missing dad. Did you uh, think, I mean, Jeremy Strong's so good. I love like when they're all sitting around the table and Matson's making all these jokes and Jeremy Strong just kind of defends Greg and Tom and stuff. He's like, oh, you think this is fucking funny. I'm sure it was funnier with subtitles. Like, let's get to the deal. I really like that line, yeah. Yeah, it was kind of like he couldn't give a shit about Tom and Greg, but he's also like, these are our guys. You don't laugh about them. We laugh about them. Let's just fucking do this deal. And it's almost like, sort of calling him out what he is. He's just a European prat. Yeah. Yeah, you're a a guy who made some money on tech who's a big idiot. And that was the other line where Matson's like, I'm trying to make you rich. And uh, Kendall's just like, already rich, bro. As I love that sort of jutting up of new media and legacy media up against each other. It's yeah, weird play, uh, great fjords. Madsen saw straight <laughs> through that. Um, the, just the budget of the show, shooting on that mountaintop, and then the I was hel- just then about to Madsen's say that. helicopter going across. Um, yeah, and, great. And right? I saw a, I saw a tweet that um, to wrap up the the app last week because I'm sure everyone's read everything about it now. Um, was that Kieran Culkin really went out there and said I'm going to win my Emmy while talking to Skarsgård pissing on a rock? I, do, do you think there was improv in there, or just like, or do you think how is that playing? Because Scar, you reckon Skarsgård whipped it out? Yeah, yeah, I do too. Yeah, they they're all they all just go for it no matter what they want to do. Right? Skarsgård was probably like, oh, I could pee right now. Might just give it a try. It's such an alpha move and it plays for the characters. And Roman's just like, the grief is so real that he's almost, he snaps on that mountaintop. And he's so rightfully snaps because Madsen is playing games with him about his father. And it's almost like, fuck you. This is still my dad. Yeah, you could, the thing about what Kieran Culkin was doing was um, like the way he was acting, it was that, you really wanted him to say what he was saying yeah. and you loved that he was doing it and you loved the way he was doing it, but you also knew that he was fucking up their deal as he was doing it. Like you knew he was like really putting themselves in some strife at that moment. But like you said, the money to just like, this could have happened in any room anywhere. And they're like, no, no, let's fly him up to the top of a hill in Norway and do it. Do you think that's a good opportunity to segue to this week's episode where we're looking at We'll talk about Ken and that presentation, which was one of the most wildest scenes in, in, in what, in maybe two weeks, yep. maybe. Um, but Roman sort of firing Jerry and then also firing the head of the studio and that dinner, dinner or no, the lunch date with the head of the studio and how she was almost like talking about like the ATN's politics and stuff. And it was almost like, I was thinking like, if I'm Roman, it's almost like, who the fuck are you to question our corporate direction? You're just a studio head. You make hits, and but you, you know, you know that, that those conversations would happen because they. If you're a, if you're like Fox Studios, for example, um, before Disney bought it and became like the number one company in the world, like I bet that conversations that happened at Fox Studios that were like going to people at Fox and saying we can't get talent to work for us because we're tied to Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity and all these people like we're all under the word Fox so people aren't going to work for us because of what you guys are saying over there but maybe not in that much because like we're pretty deep in the clouds on movies and news and film and even we wouldn't make that kind of connection but I'm sure it happened 
Oh, I think that does happen. But the way that she speaks to, to him with such contempt, I was almost like, if like, I before Roman even said, said it, I said to Sam, it was almost like, I'd fire her. Fuck this, her. This episode was a big, and it's actually super interesting that it started with Logan on screen because this was a massive episode of, particularly for Roman, of trying to get the respect that his dad got and not getting it and lashing yeah. out because of it. So he sacks her because he doesn't respect her. Jerry, who's for a long time had his back, doesn't respect him in the way that she respected Logan. So he tries to sack her as well. So he's just kind of like going around demolishing the house of people who don't think he's his dad. And it opened with Logan because of that. Yeah. Which I found really interesting. And the last thing on the opening... It was so... It was like Darth Vader on screen when Logan turned up. It's almost like... Like, whoa, like, this guy's supposed to be dead. It, what it did for me, though, is made me realize that it was how good uh, Brian Cox is yeah. and how good he is as, as Logan and how good Logan was. But I also finished that scene thinking I'm glad he's gone. Yes. I, was I like, like the vacuum that's now been created. Yes. I don't, I don't need seeing it. It was like, good to see him, but I don't need any more of that fuck off, angry stuff. I want to see all the underlings like scurrying around for 45 minutes like they were in this episode for the investors meeting. So uh, I've got a, a couple of questions I need to hit you up for. So um, there's a bit where Tom walks into a meeting room where Shiv is having a bit of a cry. She's booking in her grief sessions. Yep. And, and then Greg is on his phone showing Tom something and he says, this is our selection for tonight. What is on Greg's phone? Did he actually say that? Yes. I missed that. Oh, he is definitely silly because I think Greg has like the lowdown of pretty much every invite list ever. So I bet he's like looking at the invite list, stalking those women on Instagram. He's like, these are the women tonight, which is horrible. Are going to, think to of. this part, these yeah. parties. He, he knows who's going to the investors party that night and he's looking it up going, oh, yep. These are the women that are going to be turning up. I completely missed that because she comes back to that later on. In their discussion yes. on like the balcony, so it was like, like, who are you here for? Like, who's your like? The disgusting brothers at it again, <laughs> <laughs> or, or maybe give give Gary Greg the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he was looking at like the menu for tonight. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, the menu of hot women is what I meant. <laughs> A great episode for Greg though. Greg, Greg, I had some notes on Greg later, but what was Greg even doing in the meeting with Kendall and Roman? Like, did I miss something last week? Like, he knows that they're trying to tank the deal. Oh, no, because Ken asked him to leak details about how badly the corporate retreat was going. And he was the anonymous source. Why they would get Greg. (laughs) Greg's on the up and up, baby. Mind you, he did really well. That was some really great editing. Yep. Oh, can we, I mean, we, we're bouncing around so much, but that edit in, did you, did you pick up? I had oh, to rewind. Oh, it's I'll get out. I, I had to rewind it to be like, we're going to double the double the price. And I'm like, who said that double? <laughs> it wasn't Brian Cox. That wasn't Logan Roy's voice. Where did that double come from? Um, we my, are my, going to double the price. <laughs> micro dick. <laughs> um, do, actually, the whole micro dick, that almost plays like... um. You, that's something like Jerry would have said to Roman in season two. That's probably why he was kind of torn between like just wanting to hear his dad's voice and like enjoying early days Jerry just kind of turning him on. Kink sort of yeah. Stuff. Um, my follow up question is: What is the Canisterpron franchise? Can you pitch it to me? Callistapron is the franchise of the sleeping robot. <laughs> I so can, can you please? What would your version? <laughs> what's your vision for for it? For Callistropon. I can't even say Callistropon. Callistropon is... um, We're up to Callistropon 2. So in Callistropon, he was a robot uh, destined for destruction. And he found love in a young boy who taught him to be a human. Uh, I'm pretty much pitching Terminator 2. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And then he had to, he sacrificed himself to save the earth and got buried in stone. And he's been there for 20 years. And then in Callistropon 2, the sleeping robot rises. Who would you get to direct? Uh, James Cameron. (laughs) 
Oh, like Aquaman's James Cameron. Aquaman's right? James Cameron. Yeah, As a, yeah, not the real James Cameron. <laughs> not the real James Cameron. Um, no, no, I'd get. Um, what's his name? Who's the guy that uh, Gareth Edwards? The guy that did the Godzilla remake. Oh yeah, yeah. I'd go for Luke Besson. Oh, from uh, what was the Scarlett Johansson one? Uh, Ghost in the Shell. Yep. Um, I'm, oh, hold on. Let, I'll, I'll get him up. So Luke Besson, French filmmaker. He did uh, Valerian and The City of a Thousand Planets, which is a cool sort of movie. I liked watch. it. Yeah, I liked yeah, it. Yeah. Like, and I thought um, Cara, I can't... Delevingne. I think she's great in it, but there's a lot of other problems in it. Um, but he did what Lucy, he did, uh, Lucy was the one I was thinking of. Yeah. yeah. He did a little bit of like taken. I'm looking at his directory credits. Um, Anna, Lucy, bunch of French stuff. The fifth element is the big one. And Leon, the professional, which we've talked about before and, and had some, (laughs) had some weird thoughts about that. That wasn't right. (laughs) What? But are you talking about the movie or yeah, but you listening to yourself back talking about the movie? No, no. Like I thought the movie was crook then, (laughs) but I think Luke Besson would sort of work in those sort of circles of like molester and that sort of stuff. (laughs) He'd be really welcome in the uh, ATN newsroom. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like a rogue, rogue French director like pitching with Hannity about how like Hollywood sold out. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, when... Because we've never heard of this thing before, right? So before we were explained what Live In Plus is, what did you think Live In Plus was? An app, some sort of service, some sort of like lifestyle product. Yeah. Can you sort of like... Ken crushed it, obviously, somehow. Yeah, yeah. I, my notes during that episode is like, when did Ken get bad at business? Bad at business, but good at talks. Like, he he was up there literally goosing the market. Like, he has that great line that um, he's talking about faking the profits so that boosts the price share of Waystar. Is that an FCC violation? He, I like his line where it said it's um, almost enough to make you lose faith in capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> That's a um, Jesse Armstrong special. Oh, big time. Um, but yeah, what, do you want to know what Live In Plus is? Yep. Live In Plus is a cruise ship, but on land, Tom. Come on, <laughs> doesn't that make sense? I, I no, like, so, like Madsen's take on it. Yeah, what did you say? Oh, the... Um, it's a, it's a con- land cruise. Land cruise. Uh, I think on Twitter, Madsen called it a concentration camp based off my translations of his tweet. Do you know what that was? So, uh, effectively, yeah, can you help me out on that? Because I, <laughs> I got the ramifications, but I would like the cultural reference explained to me. The cultural reference, uh, his tweet was essentially a variation on um, work will set you free, which is what all the concentration camps in Germany had over their sign on the entrance into the concentration camp. So that's Madsen essentially saying you're selling concentration camps. So yeah. Then like they're like, were they like Mickey Mouse on fire effectively? (laughs) Effectively. But um, Living Plus, from what I understand, is old, old Fox viewer retirement village. So it's essentially the um, wet dream of old Fox viewers in America where they can go into a gated community, have security guards guard the entire community, and then everything they'd ever want is in that community. So they have movie yeah, theaters and they have tennis courts and swimming pools and movie stars will come in and say hi and play screen-ins and all this kind of stuff. So it's kind of like that you can imagine every person over the age of 70 in America who watches Fox News would be like, this is what I want. I want my gated community where I only have the news on and go out and do my bloody retirement and activities. The thing is like you only have to like see who advertises on things like Fox News a lot of it is medical. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so that was the big, that was the big thing is the personalized health that I was going to talk about because of my doco where it's literally like, yes, you can go and get a, about 30 tests done in one city in which will tell you your epigenetic age and then give you a recommendation of how to halt that age in. But the recommendation is like all these things you need to do that'll cost you like five grand a month to do essentially. Like there's one, there's, there's one place in Melbourne um, that costs $1,500 a week but essentially claims to be an anti-aging clinic. Sign me up. 
Let's go. Opens this week. Do you have fifteen hundred dollars to spend do a week? Do you want to go? I I can't like, I, I can't say the name because I might want to film with them in two weeks. Can we just go for like a week? Or do you need to go every week? Well, this is the thing, and this is kind of what the longevity live forever thing that they're talking about in um, Live In Plus is that this place is fifteen hundred dollars a week membership, and they sold out their memberships about two months before they even opened. Oh, that's crazy! So isn't it? this is this is it is tapping into real world. This is obviously happening, obviously probably more pronounced in the States, but it's actually happening. Yeah. And that and that's essentially is the thing that boosts their share price and the reason why Kendall comes walking off high-fiving everyone. And, and Carl, I was going to say, how good was Carl giving... Um, I was going to say, how good was Carl giving him the threat? Like, don't you dare do anything that like... Oh, yeah. I, you've got my dick in your hand, but I've got yours in mine. Let's remember that. But then Kendall nails it. And he comes off and he's like, well done, Kenny boy. Yeah, well done. Yeah. <laughs> I like the call out when it's almost our, our legendary C, uh, CFO, Carl. <laughs> and Carl stands up. He's like, yeah, boy, you're my boy. After like 20 minutes early, just telling him to fuck off. I've got th- three points on Ken. Um, what do you think is hyper-local news? All is that like people- Facebook Marketplace? <laughs> It's um, Bondi Local Loop. It's um, it's literally just the gated community you're in. We're only telling you news about that community, and that's it. It's such a weird like. Mind you, Ken throws hyper into every sentence. I I I sit here and I try to type down the things that Ken says for the pod, and I just can't because it's just gibberish. It's so much useless words. It's not the clouds at all. We saw them in Berlin. What do you what what do you think the clouds looked like in Berlin? That would have been one of those. You've ever seen those art installations, which you should have, where yeah, they like get, weather project stuff, where they get the cloud to just sit in the center of a room and it just doesn't move for like yeah. days. That's what he saw in Berlin for sure, and like a the, legit floating cloud. And this was more just like a fire alarm went off. <laughs> that is just smoke just machine one hundred and one. <laughs> That's all that uh, was. And then the last one is like, uh, when are we going to get like co-pilot? Um, the advanced screening jackets. That was the saddest thing ever. Like it would have been, <laughs> it, it would have been sad as is, even if Roman had walked out. But when Roman's not even there and he's wearing a flight jacket that says CEO on it, he's like, "Oh, Ken, man, what are you doing?" I like the patches though. I thought they were cool. I tried to look at what the patches were, but I couldn't pick them. All so I saw it was, was CEO. So it was, there was ATN on the sleeve. And then it had Waystar Studios. What's the name of the cruisers? Brightstar. So it was... And Brightstar's logo is like a lighthouse, but then with in crosshairs for some reason. Like a radar, <laughs> I suppose, maybe. Um, and so those were the, the patches that I was able to pick out along with the CEO. But like, let's, let's get co-pilot jackets. Yep. All right. We'll get advanced screening jackets. How much, how much do you think people would pay for that... Like piece of clothing, real life now, or the, if that is like there's one of two. Oh, so much! Do you know how much Tom Cruise's flight jacket from Top Gun would probably sell for now? Like hundred thousand dollars. That's a bit different because that's Top Gun and Tom Cruise. Yeah, do you true. think? Do you, do you, you know how like Jeremy Strong has often brought his own clothing into Succession, or they've mm, almost yeah. like made replicas, like the necklace and some of his shirts and stuff like that? Do you think this is a Jeremy Strong special? This sounds like it was his idea. Mike, Mike, <laughs> he's he's yeah, right. he's deeply researched that Kendall Roy would have got him and his brother matching flight jackets, jackets. for CEO. Hundred percent. He he probably he probably sat there for hours thinking, what would Kendall Roy wear on this day? Do you think he pitched day? it to Jesse, or do you think he just turned up one day and then showed it to Jesse? Jeremy Strong doesn't pitch his ideas; he does his ideas. <laughs> I think that that's the quote that's for the advanced screening. <laughs> Jeremy Strong doesn't pitch; he does. Um, before I know you got one or two more points on Kendall, but we should wrap on um, finish on. No, Shiv. I'm done. That, that was everything. That's all I got. Shiv, Leah, we've got to talk. Well, Shiv's Shiv's 30... winning. Shiv's winning oh, at the moment. You think so? Oh, big time. She no, has. She I don't has, think so. Oh well, now I need to do more than thirty seconds. Shiv has. Matson in her pocket. 
she has the brothers swear in for the millionth time to bring her in and they won't cut her out again. She's fucking Tom again. What's that about? She's feeling it. They're just, yeah. she's she's pregnant with his kid. She's feeling in a position of power. I think Matson's turning her on a little bit and she's back with Tom. I think Shiv is higher now than she has ever been in this show. She's also like 24 weeks pregnant and like... She's doing really well for 24 weeks pregnant. I'm she's, just going to say that out loud. She's running around. She's like, I've... Well, why do, you, why do you think Shiv's not? Sam is 24 weeks pregnant and she's not running around like Shiv. And like, I don't think she would want to be running around like Shiv. But it's almost like, Are you mate, Are you telling me Sam isn't doing cocaine and drinking whiskey at parties in Norway <laughs> while she's 24 weeks pregnant? No. <laughs> uh, why do you think Shiv's not winning it? Um, I think... That grieving, and then the, also the whole idea that she's going back to Tom. I thought that she's she doesn't know what she wants, and I think that she's also opening herself up that she's got all these options, but she's got no clear idea of direction. Yes, yeah, she's got she has the most doors available, but she has no idea which door she's actually interested in walking through. I I agree with you in the sense that there's still four apps to go, and she's got a lot of things happening. So I think she will fall at some point. But I think at the end of this episode, I don't think she's ever been higher. Because she's got her she's got her people around her. Like she's got Tom back in. Tom's like, I want like that last scene in the car where he's like, Oh, this is business, yeah, but does it hurt if I find business sexy or whatever? Like he's back in her lap. Matson's calling her every single day, every like couple of hours to talk yeah. about stuff. And she owns Madsen now because he gave her that like that that's a bit of a like a, a why would he ever do that? Yeah, he was just high on coke and saunas. Um, so you're calling Shivers at high point. Roman, even though I liked Roman's choices that he made, I feel like those are the same choices I would have made. It's clearly not working for him. He's not coping without his dad. Um, and he's sort of just lost amongst it. When I think two weeks ago, we were sort of saying Roman's the guy. And yeah. he's just... For some reason or not, it's just not working. And obviously, that's a creative choice from the writers. And then I loved... Did you notice what um, Ken did before he went and swam in the ocean right at the end and had his, like... He drew something on the floor. Well, I sort of saw this as, like, his hands through golden wheat fields. Russell Crowe end of Gladiator. Yeah, that's what it was a bit like. Um, Do you know what he did with his foot? Nah, what was it? I thought it was just an arrow. The number one. Oh, number one boy. That it was number one. I go go back and rewatch it. What a fucking loser. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the thing, is like like Ken thinks he's number one, but and he sort of delivered in some way, but I think that'll come back to bite him. But he's so delusional. Shiv is like lots of things are happening under underneath the water. And then Roman is on the just down. shattered. Yeah, to to rap, I think Ken is definitely and you kind of see it in this episode. He doesn't think about the consequences of sacking Jerry or sacking the media person. He's just like, all he thinks about is what will the headline be for this? All good, we've got it worked out. All he's thinking about is right now. So he walked out of that where he literally committed FEC violations, like just bumped up the price. But all he can think about is that everyone called him a winner and he did well. Yeah. So he's he's on top right now. I think Shiv's on a stabler position and quite up there. And Roman's definitely on the down. Um. Quit very quickly, favorite scene, or favorite um, just line or bit or. Oh my my! The one that got the biggest smile out of me was was Carl, and that was kind of going to be one of my wrapping points when Carl says to um, all the stuff to Kendall essentially like, "Don't fuck with me. I've been doing. I've been CFO for forty years," um, and that was kind of like my closing thought was, or it was kind of my opening thought was, Logan Roy, Brian Cox was great, but him not being around gives so much more. Like to think that Carl was in the background of almost every episode for four years and would have Having one his line. salad at his desk. Having his salad at his desk and worrying about all the prostitutes that he picked up while running cruises or something. And then, and then for him to like get such awesome scenes like that and the pecking duck scene last week and things, it's just like, yeah, that was my favorite. I liked when Ken is like bombing during his like presentation and they're cutting back into the room and they're like, like, I think Roman said, if I cringe anymore, I'll become a fossil. But 
<laughs> but how Greg is just like needling. Yeah, I think Greg says, um, you don't even, he says to Tom, you don't even need to worry about your speech. You can just walk out there and mop up the blood. <laughs> that, that was the line I was trying to remember. Yeah. But that back and forth, because I think Greg gets about three or four zingers in on Tom in a five minute period during that presentation. And I just love that. Yeah. Uh, he says, um, is there going to be anything behind me on the screen? It's like, no, we can get a spotlight on you. And Tom's like, well, I'd fucking hope I have a spotlight on me. I think the, the only other thing that, made me sort of gasp in how shocking it was when they played Bitey. And did you see that came up on Binge as the yeah. category Bitey? Yeah. Um, when Tom bit down hard and she was almost like, oh, Tom Worms games finally make me feel something. It's oh, like, oh shit. my God. <gasps> the worst. She's so bad to him. He was trying to genuinely apologize and she's like, let's bite each other. Um, we can wrap it up there. Let's make sure that we watch The Edge this week yes. and get ready for our 23rd anniversary honorary episode to Bart the Bear next week. Fucking yeah, Bart the Bear. <laughs> April, uh, May 10th. Let's do it. The Edge. Let's go. Okay. Cool. All, All right. In. See you, mate. See you later.